Spectre Cinema Club, episode 173. Today we are discussing 2017's Double Lover, and Aaron Michael on Letterboxd said, Come for the erotic thriller, but stay for the pegging. Hello, hello. Welcome to Spectre Cinema Club, a horror movie podcast obsessed with all the subgenres within. I am one half of the team, Devon Taylor. Joined with me as always, I got Garrett McDowell. Devon, I can barely see you. There's there's too much steam in here, Devon. It's too steamy in here. You gotta gotta fan it away. I'm happy to be here, Devon. New month, new theme. We had to we had to break out uh, the the fog machine. Uh, that's where uh, that's where the proceeds of Patreon are going to. They're going to the fog machine that I just bought specifically for this month uh, because we gotta be uh, yes, nice and steamy talking about erotic thrillers this month. Uh, it is February, of course. We all got love and romance on the mind, but we're all thinking about fucking as well, um, and and maybe murdering some people about it. Who knows? But uh, I'm uh, I'm super excited to kick off um uh, what I'm dubbing. Thrill Me, Fill Me month, uh, named after my letterbox list of erotic thrillers. So that is, uh, that's what we're going to rock with today. And I had to bring in an expert. Um, uh, the first person that came to mind whenever I uh, was thinking about erotic thrillers, he is one half of the Horror Queers, as well as many other podcasts over on the Anatomy of a Scream podcast network. Welcome back to the show, Joe Lipset. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. I'm delighted to be here. Yes, yes. I'm uh, very excited to have you back. I know you've been uh, writing a lot of editorials on erotic thrillers, and uh, you also uh, been doing a, a dabbling in some Cronenberg uh, with uh, Terry. So I know uh, you know getting into some of the psychosexual stuff with him as well. Um, so mm-hmm. I'm curious uh, to ask you first: um, where does erotic thrillers uh, fit under the umbrella of horror for you? Like, is there like a certain darkness that you're looking for to kind of include it here? Are all erotic thrillers, uh, do they all belong in horror? Uh, What's your kind of take on that? It's a good question, because I think a lot of quote unquote true horror people would say, no, this is a thriller. It's completely distinct. It doesn't count. And I would argue that it's an issue of semantics. Like so many erotic thrillers have issues that are, yeah, they're a little bit unique from horror, but they also frequently involve things like, secrets lying cheating uh and frequently they do venture into murder so you know something like the film that we're talking about today has a lot of the hallmarks but it also stands separate so i like to think that it's complementary to horror i could see why people might say no it's not true horror but again i think that that's really just a word choice yeah, I'm usually uh, one to also just kind of uh, lean on the side of it's semantics. Who really cares? I'm really? far more interested in actually like discussing the content of the film. But yeah, if mm-hmm. anybody is like wondering whether or not these films kind of pass the sniff test, I would um, have to imagine, even though I've only seen one of them actually out of all of the four films that we are discussing this month. But I have to imagine they're all probably uh, littered with sex and blood and gore mm-hmm. and thrills, which to me sounds like a horror movie. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, that's kind of where it fits in for me as well because um it, these are, you know, these are crimes of passion which kind of can lead to 
um, some, you know, very dark places as far as like, you know, not only, it, you know, involving like murders and things like that, but like the reasoning behind it and how it's gotten there and it being kind of more malicious or being kind of a little bit more perverse in a certain way. And um, also, you know, there's a level, I think, with a lot of erotic thrillers that like to dab into, uh, they like to uh, look into taboos in society, which, you know, can make people uncomfortable, you know, and I think, you know, that is something that is included with horror is like, you know, of a level of uh, discomfort or disgust as well. Um, and you'll kind of find that with uh, sometimes with uh, the subject matter uh, that are included in a lot of erotic thrillers. So I think it fits uh, firmly snug underneath. I mean, that's what this podcast is all about. If we're covering it, we're dubbing it horror. So um, erotic thrillers are in here for us. Um, but before we hop into the movie for today's episode, a few quick messages from the Ouija board. We are on Patreon, patreon.com slash Spectre Cinema. Um, the um, first tier, you will get watching the watch list. We are taking a look at Eyes Without a Face and Cure, uh, having a little Criterion uh, moment uh, over there. So that will be a fun discussion. And um, we were uh, still deciding on some titles um, for our commentary. So I thought it would be fun. Uh, Joe, I'm going to have you uh, call the coin for us. Okay, we got we got two titles uh, in debate. So we have Bride of Chucky. We'll go with that for heads. And Tails will be Corpse Bride. So are we going to, you know, go with our uh, uh, killer doll uh, power couple or are we going to go on a little bit more wholesome route? Joe, go ahead and call the coin. I will say heads. And it is heads. I'll show the camera. All right, guys. There you go. You heard it here first. Uh, live, uh, we are going to do Bride of Chucky, which we did cover. Uh, that was one of the uh, very first episodes of the podcast. It was like episode uh, four, so that was previous uh, to Garrett being around. So that'll be fun for us to do a commentary on that. I don't think there is a kind of a more perfect choice uh, for a movie commentary this month. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I'm really excited uh, to uh, have uh, kind of, uh, you know, helped uh, contribute pick the, uh, to pick this one. I like Corpse Bride, but uh, Bride of Chucky was definitely the one that I was pulling for. Yeah, I got to I got to podcast about Corpse Bride on uh, Film Alchemist. So if you want to hear my thoughts on that, you can go listen to that episode. Um, but yes, yeah, so, so go ahead and sign up over there. We'll be dropping those episodes uh, throughout the month. Uh, shout out to Steve Goodrow, uh, our latest patron. And I uh, need to amend uh, our very first patron. I got her name wrong. I said Lexi last week. It's Lizzie. God damn it, Devon. We're losing patrons already. You We're off to a, a great start. <laughs> You're scaring them away. <laughs> See, this is how you build community. You call them uh, by the wrong name. It's kind of like a power move thing. Oh, I see. Well. <laughs> <laughs> um, enough of that. Let's get into the film for today's episode. Double Lover was released May 26, 2017. That is the French premiere because this is a French film uh, written and directed by Francois Ozan. Uh, this is based on a novel, The Lives of Twins, uh, by Joyce Carol Oates. Um, Joe, I know you're a reader. Did you read the book by chance? I have not, so I can't say whether this is a faithful adaptation or not. I didn't even uh, realize it until after uh, watching the film, and then I kind of read read a few little synopses of the book, and it, it seemed pretty one-to-one, so I'm um, not mm -hmm. going to dive into uh, too many book-to-movie differences today. Cinematography was done by Manuel de Cos, uh, score done by Philippe Rombi, and edited by Laure Gardette. 
Um, the box office uh, did not do um, too well. Uh, only brought in about five million uh, against its 7.1 million euro budget, um, but the um, dollar to euro isn't much different. So it uh, did not make uh, its money back, unfortunately. Um, this has a <clears throat> this has 105 reviews on Rotten Tomatoes. Joe, what do you think the percentage is sitting at for the critics? Uh, I may have cheated on this one, so I think it's sitting somewhere around a 75 or a 76. Um, it was it's at 70% the last time I just checked it. Um, right, getting right in there. Um, Garrett, what do you think this has uh, on Letterboxd? I think this is going to be a pretty divisive movie amongst those on Letterboxd. I could see a lot of people kind of turning their nose up at the, uh, up at this movie, which could you know bring the score down. So I'm going to say a flat 3.0. Uh, 3.1 as usual well, you are 0.1 off right on brand on brand <laughs> um I, I swear guys like we've been doing like you if you just keep going back through the episodes this is not a bit it's been going on for too long for it i to wish be a it bit. wasn't <laughs> <laughs> oh man one of these days every every once in a while that's what makes it that much sweeter when you do get it because you're always <laughs> so close um but uh joe this was your choice for the month um so why mm -hmm. did you want to talk about double lover well, for me, this is a bit of an unusual film in that it adheres to a lot of the tropes of erotic thrillers, but it's also a little bit distinct. And I like the fact that it's a foreign film because so often we think of erotic thrillers as principally American. And I'm always curious to see what other countries will do with similar material, particularly someplace like France, where they're very comfortable with sexuality so what happens when you take uh an inherently sexual subgenre and give it to somebody who's not afraid to put it right there on screen and i think the results are kind of wild I, I i could definitely agree yeah i think you know a lot of the times when we think of erotic thrillers we're kind of thinking of you know the uh 80s 90s kind of uh era uh here with a lot of american films um but yeah there is something you know, almost, um, you know, European-esque in even the way that Americans would kind of portray erotic thrillers, like in kind of the style of certain other countries. So it is mm -hmm. cool to see uh, another country's uh, kind of take on it. Uh, Garrett, this was a first time watch for you. How did you feel about Double Lover? Um, I think that uh, first and foremost, yeah, this is like the Frenchest French movie that you could you know, watch, <laughs> not only in regards to like the, a lot of the performers, but, you know, locations. And then again, like you've all mentioned, just how this film handles and discusses sex. It is uh, an embarrassingly French movie. <laughs> if if uh, French was a subgenre, I would say that this would be pretty up there <laughs> as a prime example of that. Um, but I would also say that along with being an erotic thriller, like we've talked about, this is also a body horror movie. I think that this uh, film does have some similarities to some uh, other filmmakers who have kind of made their name in the genre before and I'm sure that will come up in the discussion as well as movie math but I think that there are a few not a ton but a few sequences in this to where we get to kind of see uh, this uh, Im imaginary transformation happening in their body imaginary or not you know that's kind of the, the the debate in the mystery of the movie which I would say would be the other you know predominant uh, subgenre is you know is all of this going on in her head this psychological story you know that's happening maybe all up in here um you know what is fiction what's reality are very much the questions at play here 
Yeah, and and the body horror angle definitely uh, is another thing that kind of lends this even more comfortably to you know more traditional horror because we do get uh, quite a lot of visuals uh, as far as uh, as far as the horror angle goes. And yeah, for me, this was a very interesting film. Um, I have a I have a rubric specifically <coughs> for erotic thrillers uh, and kind of what I'm looking for. I have my, four my favorite pi- way to watch movies with a rubric. <laughs> my, it, these are my these are my check mark check mark. Yeah, these are my four pillars uh, for an erotic thrill. I'm looking for the sexiness. I'm looking for the thrills. I'm looking for a camp factor, and I'm looking for twists because that's Ooh. generally uh, 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 some of the staple things that you're gonna get. Uh, in this so that's like those are like the like kind of main things whenever I'm like taking notes as far as uh, this month goes and uh, I think it definitely hits the sexiness the eroticness there is lots of sex lots of bodies um, you know in it and it's a very frank about it as well like it's not uh, it's titillating for the characters but it's not titillating for the viewers like it's not like trying to like you know showcase them for us like in a gazy way mm-hmm. it's more but it still depicts like the the characters uh, kind of uh, attraction to to their bodies and I find that uh, that it just felt kind of frank it, it felt more natural uh, in a way you know like felt that French <laughs> felt French uh, yes we oh, <laughs> um, definitely getting uh, definitely got some thrills there's a few set pieces that uh, I was like, okay, like we're getting uh, you know some tense stuff. It's not just uh, uh, the kind of mystery angle of it all, and uh, as well as like kind of the, the psychological uh, aspect. Um, I wouldn't say there's any camp performances or uh, any camp in the in the plot, but the editing uh, kind of does lend a little bit to the camp factor, especially towards uh, in the in the second half of the film, like when it starts getting a, a smidge more surreal. Uh, and I'm like, okay, we're getting a little silly here uh, for like kind of how serious of a film it is. And then it's uh, it's definitely got some twists. It's uh, this is a a, a mystery, uh, a psychological mystery where you know we have the unreliable narrator, but then we have these kind of dueling identities as well. And uh, kind of the mystery is like, oh, are they actually twins or is it one guy or is she imagining one of them or you know like who like you know how much of this is real? So much of it is like you she wakes up from a dream and like I mean, but they they stay to it like consistently so that way it really is just kind of disorienting um but i found this fascinating um i have lots of questions about the third act because the the blurred reality does get so muddled that i was just like i really don't even know at this point you know and i i love that i love that uh it kept me on my toes before we get to the subgenre, uh we're gonna have joe give us his 60 second synopsis uh are you ready my friend i'm ready all right, I got you here on the clock in three, two, one, go. All right, so the film is about Chloe. She's a 20-something woman. She's a little bit adrift, but she's also having extreme stomach cramps, so she gets them checked out at her gynecologist who says there's nothing there, so he refers her to a, or sorry, she refers her to a shrink, and this is where she meets Paul. He is very attractive. They end up having to break off their therapy because he falls in love with her. They move in together, and then she discovers he has a twin that he never talks about named Louis, 
And she starts to go down this investigatory path where she wants to know why the twins don't speak to each other. Eventually, she discovers that they once had a woman in common and it ended very badly. There was infidelity. Uh, This woman tried to die by suicide and was unsuccessful. And then the end of the film, in a twist, it's revealed that none of this actually happened and she herself is a twin and her twin is living inside of her she kind of ate it or consumed it in the womb and this whole thing was her attempt to mentally process her trauma as she was getting it taken in out time. in the hospital i gave Never you made it. i gave you a little extra seconds on that one because ah, okay. the, because the, the the twists do really start piling up uh towards the end like it like it's pretty streamlined like the first two-thirds of the film and then the third mm-hmm. act it really just like starts kind of getting super entangled and going in all sorts of different directions misleading you one way um and i found uh the structure fascinating in that way because it did keep me hooked you know like mm-hmm. again like you know when i like to kind of watch some of these and uh you know i'm i'm not always looking to try to figure it out but that's kind of the fun in the erotic thriller for me is i'm like okay i want to see if it can really throw me like i want to try to like think of like the wildest possibilities because I was like, mm-hmm. I was like, what if she gives birth to herself? I was like, that would be fucking crazy. <laughs> uh, I, I would have lost my mind if uh, if that happened. Uh, unfortunately, not the case, but close, uh, pretty close. So um, let's get into some of the subgenres here. Um, obviously, we're talking erotic thrillers, but Joe, uh, what are some of the other subgenres that really stick out to you in this? You mentioned that there is a certain amount of body horror because, of course, you know, even when we dig out her sister at the end, it's a really disturbing visual image. But the the surrealness also lends the film something of like a psychological drama. And uh, I guess the other thing is that in some ways it is an infidelity tale, Um even though, once again, we'll have to decide whether or not we really think she's doing any of this, whether or not Louis is a real person, we can debate. Mm -hmm. But uh, at the end of the day, yeah, I think those are probably the principal ones. Yeah, what about you, Garrett? Um, Yeah, just the ones that I had mentioned uh, previously, uh, mostly the body horror and then the uh, the mystery side of things. Uh, Again, wondering, is this all going in her head? Is is it imaginary? Is it real? Yeah, mostly the ones that I had uh, mentioned previously. Yeah, there there definitely is like a, a real thick layer of surrealism because it is trying to like, you know, kind of keep uh, give you this like kind of whiplash and like really kind of put yourself in her head. I was already kind of like doubting. Um, uh, oh, what was her name? Why, why can't I Chloe. remember her name? Chloe. Chloe. Um, uh, yeah. So I was like, you know, like at the beginning, I was already like kind of suspicious of her because it like kind of opens with like her cutting her hair. And it's like, oh, mm-hmm. is she changing her identity from, like, some previous situation, you know? So I was already, yeah. like, kind of not trusting her from the get-go. And then, again, like, the way that they use her dreams and her fears in that kind of way. Uh, really, like, again, like, by the end, I was just like, I have no idea uh, what reality we are in at this moment. Like, in, like, you know, especially in those final moments, like, trying to make you question the, the whole thing. Like, because at first you're like, okay, maybe some of this happened, maybe some of it is uh made up but then like by the end it's just like yeah who who knows how much of that was actually real and i think it was uh, very effective in that way and i was definitely um surprised by the body horror but then when we open the film like literally inside her during a, a gynecologist appointment like uh like uncut gem style 
uh, with the colonoscopy, <laughs> I was like, okay, I was like, we're gonna we're gonna go here, we're gonna we're gonna we're doing this. Uh, so I was uh, definitely tipped off um, in that early bit, and um, and yeah, the the infidelity I think is a very yeah um, another kind of trademark. You know that kind of comes up in a lot of erotic thrillers because it's a it's a it's a primal desire, you know. And I think there's um, something fascinating about also it being twins, a twin scenario where it's like, well, of course, like if you are dating someone and they have a twin, like, are you gonna be naturally attracted to them because you are attracted to the one, you know, in a physical way? But then, you know, obviously personalities kind of differ in that as well. Um, so I find it fascinating that like, you know, her desire is her like kind of questioning like which version of this person, this ideal man, does she prefer? Does she want the one that's more gentle and listens more and things like that? Or does she want the one that is more dominant and, uh, you know, you know, uh, challenges her more, you know, so it's like her kind of, uh, you know, juggling with it, but it's like, you know, we have the one consistency though is, well, at least they're both physically the same. So it's like, that's not where the, the debate is for her. Uh, so I, I find that, you know, angle interesting for this film. Um, so let's talk about, uh, Chloe here as our, as our protagonist. And again, I was like, kind of questioning, I was like, is she going to be the one with the secret twins? Um, or something like that. Um, so, Joe, how do you feel about uh, Chloe uh, in this uh, role and um, the way that she serves, uh, uh, the way that she kind of reflects certain erotic thriller tropes, but then also is unique in her own way? I guess one of the big distinctions from some of the other heroines that I'm used to seeing, because most erotic thrillers are from the perspective of a woman, unless it's a man who's stepping out on his marriage and he's being punished for it. So you will definitely see a fair number of those. Mm -hmm. But it's it's weird to have such a young woman. That was the thing that I found kind of novel about this, because there's a clear age gap between Chloe and Paul and also Louis. And I feel like that makes her almost susceptible to some of the things. Like Devon, you said, oh, these two men, they're they're fairly similar, but one is kinder, one is kinder and gentler and listens to her. I would argue that they're actually more similar than you maybe initially realize. Like mm -hmm. Louis is is bad because he's very sexually aggressive. He's rapey. You know, the very first sexual encounter they have, he full on doesn't take no for an answer. Later on, he'll push her through a glass shower. So he's coded as the bad twin. But if you reflect back on how Paul behaves, he's also garbage. Like he's very controlling. He hates her cat. He wants her to move into his place and so on. So there's, there's interesting things going on with both. But I'm always intrigued by how passive chloe is throughout most of this she almost seems like she's sleepwalking throughout it and then when you get to the end and you realize oh so much of this is almost dreamlike it actually makes sense yeah i thought chloe and in, in her characterization was way more interesting for me than uh the entire mystery of it all like devon was talking about of like what is this movie focusing on just the mm -hmm. way that i watch movies generally speaking i don't find it super enjoyable to like make a puzzle out of the movie and like have it make it all make sense 
like plot wise to me i don't really care as much about the plot i don't really care as much about like the details of is he real is he a lot you know all of these different things i was watching this and i was like god devon is gonna have a hell of a lot of theories for this one it's just mostly (laughs) him berating me with oh and then this scene it was you know i i I kid i kid but for me yeah the chloe and what was going on with her i thought was far and away the most compelling part in the movie i really liked how and i was mentioned in earlier in regards to like this being a very french film how this film uh, how this film viewed sexual liberation for women like what does that look mm-hmm. like what is this idea of like the kind of ideal man because I totally agree that the characters aren't that different they're just they're similar but in different ways if that makes sense like the way that their mm-hmm. control or their domineering presence or their condescension like kind of presents itself is just different but it's still rooted in kind of the same problem so I thought it was fascinating that this movie was really about this woman in love with this person but also in love with who they aren't like who they would kind of want them to be and i thought that that was fascinating because it really is this complex relationship between desire and intimacy and validation and i thought that in for a genre that is mostly about infidelity and is mostly about sex i thought that took this in a very metaphorical yet also very literal way like i like that it was kind of uh, able to do both in regards to his in regards to her character i think some of it just sorts sort of gets lost in the sauce you know <laughs> with like right. the 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 messiness of the plot and mm-hmm. the intricacies of everything i kind of wanted chloe to remain the focus of the movie and i and like you had mentioned i don't mind that she's a passive character i like that a lot of these things are yeah, she's making choices and certainly dictating the story, but mostly it is the characters and the circumstances around her. So, yeah, I, I was very compelled by Chloe. Most of the other mystery, just not as much. Mm. I mean, yeah, I think I think her passiveness uh, definitely goes into, you know, the themes of her trying to uh, gain autonomy in different ways, as well as she does have this way of that, like, she wants to be told, you know, almost like she wants direction like she wants to be told like kind of where to go she wants to have like certain things and then it's kind of her having this exploration of like what it you know like oh like i can make choices and like you know the things that she is trying to make choices about uh whether it be you know between the two guys because i mean she is like she she does like have her moments of like you know whenever she is suspicious of something at Paul she comes right out and asks like you know she doesn't like kind of beat around the bush with it um you know we kind of see her do that a few times and then so whenever she also has this opportunity to like oh like you know let me you know see try to learn about Paul who is very kind of cagey and withdrawn you know he uh you know doesn't like you know, uh asking questions or poking around mm-hmm. her stuff and um just like you know. So whenever she's like, oh, I can, you know, have this opportunity to learn about him. And she's uh, and I think that's where kind of the um, she she is. I mean, I'm intrigued on what the movie is looking for with uh, like power dynamics, because because at, at certain points she does want to be dominated. But at other points, she wants to be the one in charge, you know, and it's her like kind of wrestling with these different aspects of like not only, you know what she wants in an ideal relationship but then also like what she you know what what she truly craves herself and um and her eventually like kind of getting more of a a a personal validation but then at the end it's like it's almost kind of sad because it's like it it, depending on you know what what you feel about the end because at the end i was like i think 
that's actually Louie. Uh, I think she accidentally, I think she killed the wrong one because there's a scene in the parking lot. He's uh, smoking a cigarette. We never see Paul smoke cigarettes throughout the movie, but Louie does. Um, so I think, so like, it's almost kind of sad, but she also seems like, be like resigned in it. Like she, oh, like kind of, I don't, she doesn't look satisfied at the end, but she doesn't look like she's challenging it either. Um, so yeah, her, her character, you know, looking for these, like kind of, you know, realizing that she can have certain things on a spectrum, like, you know, everything isn't like kind of all on one side I prefer this or all on this I prefer this she can try to find the in-between like yeah I want somebody that's dominant but I also want somebody that's gonna let me peg them so it's like she like is like kind of finding that like in-between sweet spot or trying to at least um so so I did find her uh, very compelling as well well you were talking about that idea of like going on this journey of like self-reflection but using sex as kind of an avenue for that mm -hmm. the, that opening shot you were talking about is literally just setting the stage for that the fact that it not only is the shot of like her at the gynecology appointment but it match cuts to her eyeball on the side yep. eyeballs of course being like you know a window for the soul you know i don't think it's out of the range of possibility that this movie is claiming that your vagina is your you know the true way to uh, you know way to your soul and and, and self-discovery for chloe and her kind of asking these questions of herself and navigating uh you know all of these uh kind of dualities that she has within herself oh absolutely like erotic thrillers often you know they use sex as a source of conflict to drive the narrative but oftentimes we do see characters exploring who they are and what they want through sex so what makes me happy what do i look for in a partner and so i think it actually does make sense that chloe is young and she starts to use paul as a bit of a barometer you know she needs to find a job he gives her some direction she gets a little more solid and then she starts to push right she wants mm -hmm. to learn more about him she wants to try different things so in some ways this is a it's a very odd coming of age or maybe coming to maturity and that does include sex right and there's an exploration element to that where she wants to try a range of different experiences and through the lens of this particular erotic thriller it's two different men who are going to offer her two different types of experiences well i think too like beyond just that opening shot i i think that the opening therapy sequence to where mm -hmm. we kind of almost montage style get various yep. different sessions of her repeatedly going to see this therapist and then kind of by the end of it she gets the answer that she's looking for and then the movie sort of right. begins where she's like i'm having these stomach aches session after session after session now I know why I'm having these. And so I feel that she immediately kind of latches on to Paul as this, if I want to know more about myself, like he is the path to do that. And I think that right. that sort of starts her on this journey because we kind of learn everything that we need to know about the character in the first few minutes that she... Uh, often when she was younger, she would get attention just because it made her feel better about herself. She didn't really have a father there. Her relationship with her mom is strained, kind of leading us to where she is now, to where, like you guys have mentioned, looking for that sense of purpose and mm -hmm. who is going to give me that sense of identity. In this case, it's Paul or this kind of fictionalized version of him. I think mm -hmm. the film is drastically less interesting if the brother is there. I think it is far more interesting that she is going on this journey of self-discovery and his mirror is ultimately 
kind of her mirror, her desires and everything right. that she is looking for in a person. I think the film would be far too literal if there actually was a physical embodiment of all of the other desires that she would have. I think the film is uh, way more interesting if it's the opposite. Yeah, I, I think the, the film does a really cool thing in in this uh, mind and body connection that they're kind of exploring because they have, mm -hmm. you know, it's uh, stated like, oh, she has these stomach aches, but they can't figure out why. So they keep telling her like, oh, well, maybe it's psychological. It's on your head. It's on your head. It's in your head, Chloe. And they, and they say like, you know, like it's kind of like one of those things like whenever you're like stressed out, like that can like affect like, you know, your like body muscles and things like that. So it's like, you know, things like of those natures do make sense. But then there's also the the connection that you know she has sexually uh to kind of reinforce you know her like kind of more mental state as well like you know this kind of this ability of confidence and and things like that so um and her you know her being open to these desires and like not um and like i think that's you know truly what's making her stomach pains going away is whenever she's getting dicked down real good and she's real happy that's what's <laughs> making the stomach aches go away I, I always tell people all the time like you have a really bad headache go jerk off it will make you feel better i promise so her, her like, stomach hurting is just her cervix imploding because <laughs> she's just getting oh railed God. this entire movie <laughs> um <laughs> i mean it, it looks like good sex for the most part Sometimes. if you can get Oops. past the fact that so much of it is um yeah, rapey in nature, but yeah, I mean, it, yeah. As far like as you I, said, Garrett, I think that's the very French part of this film. Like, mm -hmm. it's going to turn off North American audiences, but you know, I'm thinking of something like L, very confronting, but yeah. also kind of hot. Yeah, yeah I think that uh, in regards to like the sex specifically, like the erotic part of the erotic thriller. Yeah, mm -hmm. I, I think that this movie does kind of come with a bit of a like a trigger warning for a lot of folks, yes. because a lot of this movie does, in my eyes, just kind of the way that I read it, comes off very rapey, but in a way yeah. of like consensual non-consent kind of way. Like mm -hmm. sometimes mm -hmm. Chloe seems like. And I don't I, like I'm trying to navigate this as best as I can. It seems like <laughs> Chloe is kind of like in on it a little bit like she she's told him the safe word, you know, and they're kind of they're OK with some of the the roughness that happens at least earlier on in the relationship. Yes. Obviously, it reaches a point to where it goes beyond that. But there does seem yeah. to be a bit of a spot there to where, again, she is kind of exploring these deep kind of truly dark desires that she has that a lot of people would consider taboo and Devon had already mentioned that's that's kind of what this genre is known for asking those questions dealing with those uh, intricacies oh 100 percent. like i think because that's exactly like kind of how i read like the first encounter it's like okay like this is like kind of a, like because for certain people this is a sexual kink for them like you know the kind yeah. of you know, a uh, little bit the the forcefulness of it, the the kind of being used angle, uh, is, is is something for certain people, and then obviously it does go past a certain point and it becomes uh very malicious and uh very grotesque. Uh, back to back uh movies, we have uh people going down on people while they're menstruating. Uh, yeah. I don't know. Uh, we got to keep that going, I guess. No, we're definitely <laughs> guess. not. That's its no. own letterbox list. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. But uh, but hey, it it's all popular. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's it, it's fascinating. And then we also have like her like kind of exploring like uh, again, like the idea of having both of them together, like, you know, and like this is like kind of the, the ultimate fantasy that she is living. And you know, I think that is like kind of the height of her like kind of sexual intrigue is again i i do think that they are two separate twins uh there was a moment for me i was thinking it was like 
the two personalities in one, like whenever they explain the whole, you know, cannibalistic uh, twin with the, the cats and everything. So I was like, oh, okay, so maybe he's doing like a flip thing, you know. And I thought for a minute uh, at that, um, the, the scene where he like uh, picks her up on her lunch break or whatever to go out to lunch. And like there's like a moment and I was like, oh, so maybe he is like turning off, but it's like he don't got time to be running back and forth like that. And does he really got the money for two different apartment suites? I don't know. So so I do In think Paris. What? So so I do think they are nice. Uh, let's just say let's get it out of the way. The decor in this movie, the chairs. Oh gorgeous. Oh, yeah. I was just like, oh, I want yeah. one of those. I want one of those. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, great. Yeah. Production the costumes, thing. the locations, they're all to die for. Oh yeah, I love I love the outfits uh, are fantastic. Um, I like the the specificity between the two offices, like you know, showing the two different vibes that they have. Um, I think that was uh, very interesting, and uh, yeah, so I like to believe that it is the 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 two of them, you know, and and for an in and for a moment, you know, when everything is like kind of going her way is whenever she like kind of has the sweet spot of having both of them, and then like. And she even like kind of says it like whenever I'm with him, I'm thinking of you and when I'm with you, I'm thinking of him. So it's like she is like kind of getting this like full circle like kind of thing. And like, you know, we kind of see that in the uh, in the sex scene that felt very uh, David Cronenbergian. Uh, We got like and then we see her like also splitting Uh, the thing that cracked me up, though, like is uh whenever he like comes out of the shadow and he shakes his brother hand his hand to like tag him in it's like is that how uh, we're doing it these days you know the homie just walks in as long as you get the handshake (laughs) we're good to go uh uh, again it's like a wwe kind of deal yeah Mm. i i uh as far as the those scenes are kind of in my opinion kind of the high point of the film i think it is a lot of what this movie uh should have been in my opinion which is this I, I could have used a bit more fun, a little a little bit more silliness, a little bit more body horror, something. I think that this film has a bit of dissonance between the script, which Devon said like narratively and like you know, he didn't see a lot of camp. To me, I totally do. A lot of the dialogue, if you just just the, the actors don't sell it as camp, but if you just read the line, it's true, it's pretty true. fucking silly. Uh and I, I think this movie could have maybe it, it takes itself a little too seriously at times. And I think that right. this scene is like a great example of it's sexy. It's odd. It's, it's got body horror. It's kind of this scene it, to me is I think kind of the apex of the movie, the scene, you know, that the third nipple, uh, you know, that shot of like her heads kissing both of the brothers, like that's mm-hmm. just super cool and, you know, evocative. And yeah, I think the rest of the movie is sort of lacking that, which is a bummer. Yeah. Third nipple is definitely the dream. I would, I would say, um, and, 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 and even in the willingness for like, uh, some of these scenes as well, like, you know, like showing like the, the two men kissing, which one is already hard enough to do whenever, um, you know, you see a lot of people in threesomes, like the guys don't ever want to like look at each other. They don't want to embrace it. And so it's like, no, I only getting that, but then it's like, Oh, but this is also weird because it's twins. And it's like, it, it gives you, uh, some weird conflicting, you know, thoughts, uh, uh it's definitely, uh, a very weird sexy scene um it's also then, technically very impressive too the fact that they're yeah. able to get like the same actor kissing himself without yeah. making it look awful like we i don't know mm-hmm. if you guys saw that whatever that jonah hill eddie murphy movie was where they had that cg kiss because he didn't want to like kiss no. the lead at the end of the movie this could have been that it could have been hilarious <laughs> and looked like trash but i thought that the scene uh yeah narratively was really cool but also technically i was very impressed with 
Uh, yeah, shout out uh, Jeremy Renier, uh, which is very funny because he does look like a French Jeremy Renner. Uh, so when you look oh, at his name, they just Frenchify his name as well. Uh, but yeah, he... I think my favorite thing is when you look at the when you look at how they style the actor. The difference between Paul and Louis is just that one wears his hair down and the other wears his hair up. And exactly, thought, yeah. it's it's the laziest. One way wears to glasses, one does friend. not. It's very yeah. it's very Clark Kent too. You know, this very but, like but oh, I kind of loved it yeah. because it's just more silliness, right? Yes, exactly. Yeah, that's all I need. I just need some glasses, and you swoop down the hair. You know. It worked mm-hmm. for Spider-Man. Why not? <laughs> yeah, I, sure. I, I think they could have had a little bit more fun with that as well, as well as like kind of, again, like having the the scenarios where one is acting like the other. Like, I think it would have been nice to have the other way, too. Like if there was a scene where she's with Louie, but then uh, actually Paul figured it out and it's like, no, it's actually Paul. I'm turning on you now. Like, you know, like kick it to that next extra level uh give us a whenever he sends her a a, a, gives her a box with a cat heart in it i was like yeah give me more weird shit like this i was like (laughs) where did that come from uh yeah shout out the cat in this movie uh milo the cat i was a i was quite worried uh, of what was going to happen here i know erotic thrillers and animals don't usually usually have a a a great Mm -mm. not a great combo (laughs) at all but shout out uh, Milo the cat, who I so I also thought too, and I, I'll mention this again in um, movie math, but I liked that this film had a lot of references that I picked up to cat people. Um, that oh, is yeah. a film that is also like very much so about duality and sexual repression, and is also you know a, a thriller in its own right. Uh, and mm-hmm. there's a, a lot of great uh, imagery, a lot of very like early feminist I- imagery um, in that film, especially in an era where you just weren't really super allowed to do a lot of that those kinds of things. Um, I thought that this film and its use of Milo the cat uh, was was uh, really well done. Yeah. Well, I love that you brought that up, Garrett, because actually one of the like the genesis of erotic thrillers is in film noir. Mm-hmm. And of course, Cat People is one of my favorite examples of that subgenre, even though most people would look at, you know, the hard-boiled detective and Humphrey Bogart and that kind of stuff. But I think in terms of like the intersection between erotic thrillers and then a more conventional horror film, something like Cat People is really starting to put in place the things that we will see in the 80s and 90s and then beyond. Yeah. Well, that whole idea of the character archetype of a femme fatale starts there, mm-hmm. and then that's obviously a character that you will see, and not as much yep. in this movie, but certainly in some of the other ones that we'll discuss this month. Again, I hope yep. so. I don't, I've only seen one of the movies, that, so I'm kind of nervous you know, going on from here. If this is what we're starting off the month with, good good lord. <laughs> oh, we're, we're going we're gonna to get some femme fatales in there for sure. There's gonna be a, that'll be in the more the back half. Uh, the first uh, ones we got are like the more mystery angle kind of stuff. Um, and speaking of a mystery, uh, one character that's a mystery to me, um, uh, Rose, the the neighbor. What's her deal? Because I was like, was she was she in on something, or is she also just there to be like the motherly figure that Chloe uh, has kind of been lacking? Because then we have this like sequence where she goes to stay over there, and she's in the room wearing her uh, daughter's clothing, and there's like some like weird exchanges and like. I, Rose as a character, I was I just could not get a vibe on her. I was like, what what is going on here? So, uh, what do you guys think about Rose, the neighbor? Um, well, I love how everyone in this film has a surrogate. So I look at Rose as the surrogate mom, and then of course at the end of the film, it's revealed, oh, Chloe actually does have a mom, but it's the surrogate woman 
Sandra. It's her mom that gets revealed to be Chloe's mom in the quote unquote real world or outside of the dream. So I like the idea that we're we're laying a few breadcrumbs that we should be expecting something or we should be expecting a character of like Rose in the future. Hey man, that sounds good to me. Yeah, that sounds that sounds fine. Um, I thought to me, yeah, again, I just I, the pieces of everything. I think I kind of just throw my hands up at a point. And was just like, hey, I'll figure it out again. I think that uh, on a rewatch, this would kind of uh, work a, a little bit better. But it is a lot to digest yeah. the first time I watched this like an hour ago. So, um, uh, but I do think that that character to me, like you were mentioning, I think reveals a lot about the type of person that Chloe could become. You know, she's also mm-hmm. kind of this cat lady and i think there is a bit of nervousness that chloe has that it's like oh, i'm gonna be like my old lonely neighbor who lives by herself with her stuffed cat you know i i felt like her the the isolation that chloe was feeling was kind of expressed through a character like rose but then i think that there also is this maybe like roseberry's baby sort of influence to where it's oh, like okay. even are the neighbors in on it too you know i thought that there was a, a piece of that as well but as far as like the how do they fit into the puzzle that is this movie that yeah, sounds you, 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 joe nailed it sure whatever because <laughs> part of me was thinking since paul obviously like they did have their therapy sessions and everything he knows a lot about her and he knows about the the void of you know her mother figure so i was like oh he is like tapping rose to like be this like kind of to like kind of be in on and like also like kind of exercising his control because he's more of the low-key guy so like that's mm-hmm. that's kind of what i got from whenever especially the way whenever he's like oh i had her keep an eye on you or like something like that just the way he said it i was like oh so it, it, he's been like feeding like like paying rose off or something to to you know do these kind of things and like impact her emotionally to like kind of keep that emotional weight on uh because if that's the case then yeah paul is uh equally just as dubious as uh as louis is um so so i know me and garrett are pretty firm on that we think they are two separate people joe uh you uh where do you sit on paul and louis so i think if you look at it solely from where we end the film that there probably was only one and she was dividing them in her kind of compromised mental state before her surgery into two different embodiments of like you know she sees doubles everywhere because she's trying to grapple with the trauma of realizing that she herself is a secret twin so everyone in her life has a doppelganger so i look at it based on just the end that there's actually only one and he's probably an amalgamation of both paul and louis characteristics which is why he's smoking i think Mm. Yeah, I, I, uh, yeah, was, I don't know if I didn't make it clear earlier, but I, yeah, I'm firmly in the camp of they are the same person. Oh, like the the, the oh. fictionalized mm. uh, the other guy, not real. It's again, it's all in her head. I don't know if I didn't make that clear. Oh, I no, thought you I, were. I, I thought we were on the same page. No, no, no. no. I am diametrically opposed. I think that this movie is really. <laughs> I think it's really stupid if he is a real guy who actually is like walking around and he's like, I'm, I'm the evil brother, and I, <laughs> I fuck harder than my brother does. That's really stupid. <laughs> I mean, there's the 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 newspaper clippings that mention the two twins. Uh, I mean, the way that uh Mrs. Shankar like in you know acknowledges that they were twins. Uh, like, I mean, I, I was like, I thought they were like, I really thought they were like genuinely twins. Like, cause I don't know, like I can't, because then is there, is there like somebody, so she's like fucking just some other therapist, but in her mind, it looks like Paul, it, like, because there's some sort of, you know, tangibility. So I'm like, I, I think there is the two of them. I don't know. I can't, 
I think I'll there's not, definitely ruin like ruin it for you. Well, I think there's I'll, definitely I'll ruin it for you, Devon. This movie is an all a dream movie. So most of what we're actually seeing on screen is not actually happening because mm-hmm. Chloe is a unreliable narrator, as we said. So this is all just happening in her head as she's going in for her surgery. Yeah. And I think that there is a bit of like fantasy at play here, too, of like oh, yeah. uh, imagining of like, oh, and then I, and then he takes me home to his loft mm-hmm. apartment and we take a bath or whatever. You know, like I, I think that we are kind of seeing in her mind's eye of how she is fantasizing this, again, idealized version of her husband right and it gives her the control that she's looking for like i do think the character's arc is probably the most important thing that we're meant to take away so even though even if we do read the end of the film as oh it's all a dream and nothing actually mattered or none of it actually happened i think we can still believe in her journey from the sort of mousy wallflower who doesn't have a lot of direction who then becomes someone who knows more of what she wants by the end of the film and she's able to make reparations in her relationships so she's ready to reconnect with her mom she's ready to build a you know a stronger connection to her partner and so on huh huh i mean i like that i think it can go either way um uh, i like to keep it keep the floodgates open a little bit um but yeah i don't because it's because either i think either way that uh, it could like you know which events are true or not i think the outcome for her character is still the same like i think mm-hmm. the 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 arc that she has is still kind of still the same thing um in a way because again like except that you know we see at the you know final shot that like she still um isn't quite past the idea of like you know her past uh twin uh with her twin watching her and then breaking the glass that was that was like right. that was straight some like 1992 shit that was uh pretty great i was, I was into like, that i was so kind of funny. hoping some like 2000s new metal would kick in <laughs> oh, after that because right, it would have yeah. that would have been a perfect fit <laughs> yeah but um yeah i don't know I, I i find it i find it very interesting because like if because if it is all uh like if it is all a dream then yes it, this is like almost like her uh this is her writing like tumblr fanfic for for herself mm-hmm. you know to kind of get some spice in her life is like kind of what this whole thing was which i think is a fun play because i think uh um erotic thrillers uh i think most erotic thrillers have somewhat of a sense of self-awareness to them um to a degree they know the playground that they're playing in you know and um and then i like, kind of using some of those things so the all a dream i think i could look at it that way but then i also just like trying to make sense of like how ridiculous but like still plausible and grounded like that it could be like it's not all that crazy that's just like yeah this guy really hates his twin and tried to forget about and who knows you know so i'm like Devon just it, likes the idea fun. that it's not all just a dream because if it yes. is all just a dream, then his theories can't come true. <laughs> it's it's not as fun well, that way. <laughs> I think it also like unfortunately, it's all a dream or it was all in their head. Movies they they start to fall apart the more you start to think about them. And we're all critics, so we like to look at okay, what is the film doing? How is it telling its story? How is it building its character arcs and so on? And if it's all just oh well, it was in the person's head, it wasn't really real. That undermines our jobs to a certain degree and i 
I think I can understand why this movie ends up being very divisive because people look at it and they say, well, it's kind of a nonsense thing, you know? It's not as campy as I wanted it to be. There were some sexy parts, but then it gets a little wonky in the back end. So I can definitely appreciate people's criticisms of the film. For me, it's that I think the technical elements, like the acting is really good. It's really stylish. I think it's really well shot and edited. So even though I don't love It's All a Dream narratives, I think for me the style ends up winning out over the quote-unquote substance yeah i think the style too is where this film starts to show an appreciation like you were talking about beyond just narratively what are the tropes of this genre but also who are some of the other filmmakers that are kind of known for mm-hmm. making this genre what they are in you know particular brian de palma i think that there are lots of shots in this film that are in my eyes, very so obviously <laughs> in, a mo- in a homage to uh, the great Brian De Palma, who has had many films in this genre. And I think that this film at multiple different points kind of tips their hat to to his work, not in like a let me copy your homework sort of way, but in like a, mm-hmm. these are the filmmakers that made this genre what it is in those 80s and 90s movies like we've already discussed. And how can they make their kind of name for this movie and like joe is already mentioning this is uh has the dna of a lot of other films but it truly is kind of its own thing yeah the the style definitely uh is a is a huge strong point like you said like kind of uh tipping its hat to the ones before it uh joe mentioned the amount of mirrors uh, throughout this uh film is insane like there's so many uh mirror shots and like kind of fun uh, reveals that you like kind of get from certain angles that's super fun uh, as well as uh, we got plenty of man butt in those mirrors as well um, again like shout out to uh, this being a French film and doing a lot of things that um, American but films no would dick, not do by the way like we fuck see, the no dick in this yeah <laughs> I, I saw like a I saw like a little I saw like a little glimpse of it when he was like drying off with the towel but I was like no come yeah. on like throw it see, out there. see that's what I want I want uh, I want Paul to have like a dramatically you know different size penis like you know like how great would that be if she drops his pants and she's like wow you know (laughs) oh that 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 would have been i mean it would have played right into the you know the 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 dynamics between like you know the brothers that she made in her head of like the one being like i'm 15 minutes older i came out head first i'm the real one uh you know Mm -hmm. but then if he was the one with the small dick and paul had the bigger one that's that's really what he's uh chasing uh you know this this dominance for uh yeah so so he fucks hard because he's got a micro penis right <laughs> that's all he's got he's, he's really got to put in the extra work <laughs> oh man but and and also to that would never be thrown in an american film uh we get a, a full-on pegging scene and i thought like oh is yes. this i was like are we gonna get a short glimpse of it like no like this is like a whole thing like I, it's sustained yeah I, I like that i like how we even have like the full lead up to it like you know they're out and about they're having a fun night they walk past the sex store and she's like hey let's let's go in you know and, uh, that's always a fun thing for me like going to sex stores with your partner it's just like super fun you know um but then she she picks out the strap and then she whenever she there was something really hot about her being like hey can you strap this for me like can you can you tie this yeah. for me i was like i was like that's like really kind of sweet that's probably the sweetest point in this entire movie where i like actually like 
bought into the, like the the relationship between them. I was like, that was actually like really nice. And so I'm strapping her up, baby. Uh, well, so. I think that's a very intentional that this is kind of a bonding moment for them. They're doing something maybe a bit more like sexually adventurous. And I think that that mm-hmm. based on what her, if, per, you know, per my reading of this film, based on what her fantasy is of sort of this idealized man, it seems like she's she just needs some good dick in her life. That's really you know some good dick in her life. And to go see a good therapist, that's not going to try to have sex with you. <laughs> But it's interesting, right, because she's assuming the role of the male aggressor, right? So in some ways, this is, it's not a rape revenge film, but it it does have those kinds of elements where she quite literally puts on a phallus and then he tells her, you're hurting me, go, you know, be less hard. And she doesn't listen. So she actually kind of rapes her quote unquote loving partner in the way that she herself was manhandled by the more aggressive of the two twins. Yeah, it was a it was a very fascinating depiction of like, yeah, like her doing exactly that, like, you know, even like the way that she was like grasping him with her hands and like, you Mm -hmm. know, doing the throat and stuff like, you know, and all that stuff like she very much uh, it it felt very like it it was a uh, empowering for her in a in a very fascinating way. And again, if that is um, if we're going to all this is a dream and that's like her idea of, you know, like getting sexual, uh, you know, empowerment back. Uh, we love to see it. We love that uh, we mm-hmm. get a, a solid seven minute scene of this. Um, <laughs> you know, not since Deadpool have I uh, seen a, a, a little bit of pegging in a, in a film. Um, so oh uh, let's go ahead and get into our final thoughts here. Uh, Joe, what are you giving a uh, double lover out of uh, five cat hearts? Uh, give us your final thoughts. So this is a solid four out of five for me. I do think it falls apart a little bit in that last act, but it's mostly just because it's trying to scramble to be a little bit twisty. And I think it probably could have nailed something a little bit more subdued that would be a bit more satisfying. But overall, um, I'm actually a big fan of this director, Francois Ozon. I would strongly recommend Swimming Pool as well as Summer of 85. They're both similar kind of mindfuckery gender films. Um, you know, he he likes to play in this arena where it's not quite erotic thriller, but it's got a lot of the elements. And overall, yeah, this is very stylish. It's a lot of fun. It has a good amount of camp, could do with a bit more. But overall, it's a fun time every time I watch it. Oh, yeah. What, what about you, Garrett? Yeah, this is going to be in the hot mess category for me. This is a three and a <laughs> half out of five uh, stars. I was wavering between three and a half and three, but I think per our discussion, there is a lot to like about the film. I think it is very messy, um, intentional or otherwise. I think that narratively it's messy and tonally it's quite messy as well. Um, but I like a lot of what's happening here as far as the characters. I think that the movie is, is pretty daring. There's a lot of uh, really creative choices as far as the filmmaking is concerned. It's a really nice to look at. Um, so I enjoyed a lot of it. I just kind of wish it was a bit more tidy, uh, but I also kind of like that it is messy. So like, I, I think right. it should wear its three and a half out of five as like a badge of honor. <laughs> Oh yeah, with lots of pride. <laughs> uh, I, I'm in, I'm right there with you. I'm also in the hot mess camp uh, for this film. Uh, Three point five out of five for me as well. Uh, because yeah, like uh, again, but I kind of liked it structurally in that way. Like the first like two thirds, I kind of were like, okay, we're going along, we're going, and that's like it just really just like kind of scrambles in that last uh, act in a, a very fascinating way. I'm excited now to like kind of rewatch it with the different uh, mindset of you know of of reality that we're playing with in this film. 
Um, but uh, as far as, like I said, I hit most of my uh, my main four pillars uh, for erotic thrillers. Uh, uh, gets high marks in most of the categories. Um, I would say uh, minus, like I said, I, I would have taken a, I would have taken a little bit a silly, a little bit more silliness in this. Um, you know, really get a little bit more dramatic with it. I think we. I mean, not that the final face off again, like her the the twin walking out of the of the door in the same outfit then with the mirrors around it was uh i was like we could have used a little bit more of uh, this kind of flavor so it didn't feel like so like kind of jarring at the end uh but yeah i'm i'm excited to dive back on into it i think this is a very interesting one and now if you're wanting something sexy like you, you we definitely don't skimp on uh, the eroticism in this one so i think uh thrill me fill me month is off to a a fantastic start but uh let's see what other movies were on the brain while we were discussing Double Lover. Alrighty, here on the Spectre Cinema Club, we conclude our episodes by playing movie math. Uh, Joe has been on the show before, so I'm sure you uh, know the ropes. Uh, but you just have to take some movies that uh, reminded you of the film that we discussed today and put it in some sort of mathematical equation. Uh, Joe, what's in your equation? Okay, so I think the pretty obvious one is David Cronenberg's Dead Ringers, but I'll add in the Rachel Weisz TV show because it does the same thing but a little bit different. And then I'll divide that by Brian De Palma's Femme Fatale because that one does have a similar kind of arc. And then I'm going to multiply it by the Vincenzo Natale... And then I'm going to multiply it by the Vincenzo Natale arc in Hannibal Season 3 for the sex scene. Ooh, I love uh, the specificity of this movie, Matt. <laughs> yes, uh, I, 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 that's another reason that I need to fucking watch some Hannibal because I know he uh, did some stuff in it. Uh, didn't David Slade also do uh, yes. some stuff in Hannibal as well? Like, I love mm-hmm. David Slade and Natalie. So, okay, I'm a, I'm gonna watch Hannibal this year. That's one of my series goals. I'm gonna, I'm gonna watch it. Damn it, I was kind of struggling with this one. Um, how like I haven't really struggled on an equation in a minute, and I was like, because there kind of isn't many films like this. Like it does kind of have its like own like weird specific flavor to it. Um, so because um, uh, I'm I'm kind of going on the fly here. Um, I'll go I'll go a little bit of Goodnight Mommy. Um, just for some of the kind of mind uh, reality blurring as far as the twins and things like that. Won't spoil the film for you if you haven't seen it, but uh, if you know, you know. Um, so uh, I'll take a little bit of that. Um, I'll divide it by a little bit of uh, <laughs> blood rage uh, with, uh, again, like the, the kind of differences between these twins. And, uh, and there's some familial psychosexual stuff, but not in the way that it is in this film. So that's why I'm going to divide it. And, uh, uh, and also just the plain earnestness that uh, the characters kind of play this film in as well. Um, so yeah, I think that's where I'm going to land. And, um, uh, coming up in my research that I have not seen or read was uh, flowers in the attic kind of kept coming up a bit, uh, as well. And I, I saw sisters from Brian De Palma probably would have been the um, most specific one that deals with, uh, twins as well, but I have not seen that one yet. Uh, still got, uh, some, uh, catch up on, uh, the, uh, Brian De Palma, but we'll be getting, uh, some De Palma later on in the month. Super excited for that. Uh, Joe, where can the people find you? What are you working on right now? 
All right. So Trace and I are making our way through February. It's our birthday month, and sometimes we program films specific to what we want to talk about. But we're not actually doing that this year. So I'll just say um, we're going to follow up on our reanimator episode with an episode on suitable flesh for the Patreon. So I'm very excited to get my Stuart Gordon, HP Lovecraft, just kind of messy gooeyness on. But yeah, if folks want to follow me, you can reach me at B Stole My Remote, and that's the letter B. And of course, Horror Queers comes out every week on Wednesday. Uh, Suitable Flesh, another movie about just really wanting to have sex with your therapist. <laughs> yes, I love this trend. Oh, yeah. Uh, I, I hope the Miskatonic universe keeps expanding, which apparently it is, uh, from uh, some of the things I've heard. So uh, hopefully we'll be uh, continuing to get uh, some more ooey gooey horniness going on garrett what are you working on right now uh ooey gooey horniness is also my tinder bio uh, but you guys can follow me uh over on twitter uh in letterboxd and tiktok at garrett mcdowell i've also got another podcast it is a star wars podcast called scum and villainy and we have new episodes every single thursday hell yeah uh you can find me at the usual places at underscore daddy disco twitter instagram letterbox all the things uh you can hear me uh talking found footage films on the what a scream podcast but now go ahead and do it for this week's episode of the Spectre Cinema Club. New episodes drop every Tuesday. Subscribe to not miss a thing. You can follow us on social media at Spectre Cinema on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. And if you're listening on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, leave us five stars, a nice little review. We appreciate you. But until next time, guys, stay lifted.